everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk 420. That's right, it's uh, episode 420. Uh, whenever it's a round number, I think it has some kind of uh, special value, but actually it's just 420. So we're still some way off the big magic 500, though I'm thoroughly looking forward to getting there sometime next year. Um, we're not there yet. Uh, so what am I looking for? I am looking for, um, but I'm sorry, I'm a bit spaced out. I was back, I was very late last night and I'm not quite with it. Uh, unlike my guests, who I'm sure are very with it, but before we get on to them, I want to say uh, uh, thank you to our sponsor, obviously Isotope. Isotope will be giving away a copy of Break Tweaker uh, from last week's competition. We'll be announcing the winner and also next week's competition will be set too, where you can also win Break Tweaker. So uh, do stay tuned for that. It'll be somewhere around halfway through. And remember, if this is the first time you've seen us or you've seen us more than once and you're thinking, you know what, I need a reminder to let me know when Sonic State uploads more great content to YouTube because we have got a lot of stuff coming we've got gaz's launchpad pro review we've got the modal nf1 synth we've got uh, something special i filmed yesterday um, because i was up late in london with a um, for a product release uh, th- so all of those things if you want to find out subscribe to the youtube channel it's very simple and straightforward i mean what more can i say so uh, i want to say thank you very much to our chat room who are uh, fulsome as ever I have to plug me, comp- me, me camera in. There you are. Thank you very much for joining us. And also, we'll start saying hello to our guests, shall we? We'll start over here with Mr. Mark Tinley. Uh, Mr. Mr. Mark, I, I suppose I should say, mi- I was going to say Mrs. Mark Tinley, but actually that's not really. But your status hasn't changed in terms of title. But Mark, of course, uh, has been married since the last time we spoke. Yeah, this bright light. I'm not sure what's going on there. I have been married. You're, you're now your hand is in front of your face. Oh, right, that's your ring. Sorry, I was just my thinking, ring. what on earth is he doing? Now I understand. <clears throat> I'm showing off my new wedding ring. Lovely. So did you have a lovely day? Very good, actually. Yeah, we got married in a pagan temple Lordy. in Glastonbury. And um, and we had a very nice man called Julian that make our rings for us, which is why I'm very pleased about it. Um, and we uh, got some old, meaningful gold rings, like Gina's mum's wedding ring, and then we cut it up and melted it. And <laughs> wow. So, oh, why, that's I lovely. Suppose. So have you been on honeymoon? Been, been, been anywhere nice come on out. your honeymoon? I see that. Yeah, your, your video and audio seems to have suddenly just degraded massively. I don't know what it is. Maybe no, it's your new why. marital status. It's the wife. She's playing, uh, she's playing some online gambling where she has to download huge amounts of video, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, Mark, what did you ask me before? Did you, you go? Said? Did you go anywhere nice on your honeymoon? I think is what yeah, I was. Yeah, Glastonbury. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> we haven't but, been that... on a honeymoon yet. Uh, the, the wedding was so unbelievably expensive. We've got to save up for the honeymoon now. I can understand that. Uh, while I've got you, actually, uh, I just want to say uh, congratulations to our guitars editor, Rich Beach, who also got married last weekend, and uh, I'm just about over the hangover now, but uh, Mr. and Mrs. Beach, congratulations. Anyway, that's enough of that. Let's get straight on to our next guest, who is Mr. Ty Unwin, fresh from his composing job. He, it was a bit hit or miss. I, I'm guessing you've got a, some sort of massive deadline that you've got to, uh, that you've now irresponsibly yes. substituted us for, which is we're very, very appreciative, but uh, I hope it's not going to get you to as long as they, yeah, they won't. As long as they don't watch this, it's absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, I can't. I, 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 it's a fairly likely they're not. But you know, you never know. <laughs> we, our reach yeah. is further than we think. In fact, uh, I, I think last last time we had uh, Dave Robinson on. Uh, was it last week or the week before? And he came on because he bumped into Daniel Miller, the head of Mute Records, uh, grandfather of electronic British electronic music signings, and he said he listens still. So if you're out there, Daniel, nice to uh, nice. 
nice to have you listening. I'm oh, sorry, that's didn't, that, that sentence didn't actually end <laughs> up quite as uh, confidently as I started it. So, Ty, you're there. Yes. Have you been throwing all-nighters and all of those things that one has to do in it's, these circumstances? Yes, lots of all-nighters. Lots wow. Of, and I've not been that well either, so it doesn't help matters. How does, how does your creative process happen in the wee hours? Do you find that you get the creative stuff done and then that the all-nighter comes with the sort of the more IT and sort of physical aspects that you have to like getting the thing, the hit points and, and all of that? How do, you, how do you try and spread it out when you're doing that, when you know you've got to do that sort of thing? No, I just, I kind of have two heads really. I mean, I've said this quite a few times before. I kind of have uh, a kind of more autopilot head and a very creative head. And um, I just kind of, yeah, in the early hours, I said, to be fair, I seem to work quite well in the early hours, mainly because I, I think there's a kind of self-imposed uh, pressure in the early yeah. hours because it normally means I'm working through to deliver things first thing in the morning. And also the fact that the phone isn't going, the emails aren't going. So, you know, it's... Um, yeah, there's a sort of clandestine aspect to it. where, you, And also you think, this is my last chance. If I don't do it tonight, then there really was no yeah. point in staying. All of those bridges yeah. I've burnt with my family in the other half Absolutely. and the things I've missed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Has, <laughs> yeah. I think I've I think I've been in that situation once or twice before. I understand totally. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's let's take things maybe uh, into the realms of uh, location, 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 location. This is a rather interesting video. Uh, this Hi. is my name is M P Fogelberg, and I'm the producer of Gothenburg Symphony Orchestra's filmed concerts at GSO Play. This is actually to do with the uh, Shaw uh, M V China tour in April eighty eight, which is an iOS device and recording, and there, there are some great examples later on. I, I, unfortunately, I use Apple I can't iOS see my for filming and editing. I was looking for an Apple sound recording solution as well, and was lucky to get a prototype of the. Ah, here we go. This is quite interesting. So this is the Decca sound rig. This is the Shaw. I was quite impressed. This, the, 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 the Shaw mic is basically... Uh, See here, it's a mid-side little capsule you stick on the top of your iOS device, and it's got the uh, 8D built into it, I believe. And you can sort out the uh, the, the mid-side recording is quite interesting. I mean, I've I've always been very impressed with the stereo imaging of mid-side. Never fully understood it though. <laughs> so this thing seems to make it a lot easier. You can uh, let me see. There's a, there's the capsule. And then it comes with an I a device that allow. Yeah, there we go. So it allows you to kind of set the width and you've got a simple eq and some other um compression and stuff i don't know ty do you find that you ever have to um deal with location stuff as part of a soundtrack or is it mostly electronic sources you're dealing with uh location stuff i mean if i have to do location stuff it's normally in a in a um a concert hall or something like that in which case i'll take a full rig of preamps and a mixer and a whole load of mics i mean if i'm going to use something like this i used to use things like this a long time ago um i used to be really into doing field recordings and when i was really into sampling and um i used to go around i used to do what everyone used to do and just sample everything and um so at the time i used to have one of those what was it tcd d3 little dat machines little sony dat machines i can't believe i'm using that as a terminology now but uh, yeah. yeah so i used to go with that machines and now i've got an r09 and i've got an r26 the roland so, uh, I mean, the, yeah 
which which are nice, which are, which are good. But I mean, it's more just you know I don't use them that often. I mean, this this looks great. I mean, I've used my you know I've used my iPhone a few times to do things, and every time I think it would be quite nice to actually have a decent sounding mic on here. And yeah. all the ones that I've seen before, they just don't seem to. I don't know. They're just not that impressive. This one actually looks. This one actually looks the business really. I think the problem I have with all of them is um, the actual connector bit, because I always think that just looks. You know, the fact it's just been held on by the um, the Thunderbolt connection. I always think that just looks a bit, bit dodgy. Exhibit A, Malad. Yes, there it is. Direct yes. connection. It you know, does. There looks quite a lot of substance going on, just being held on by that one. Well, I suppose I'm sure got- they've sorted it. Yeah, I suppose it's got that kind of uh, thing that will rest on top of your device. Now, I, I know I'm going to come to you, Mark, because I know you are a massive fan of binaural recording and field recording. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what you're using. I mean, have you got anything to go? I mean, obviously, it's, it's tempting to use an iOS device or, well, this is, this raises another question perhaps we'll come on to later. But do you find that um, you're recording? What are you recording into these days, sir? Um, well, I've got this thing actually. What this the? is a Tascam thing, but this oh. has got the the added flaw that just after I bought it, they changed <laughs> from the thirty pin <laughs> connector. Oh, no. to so now you need a, an extender new cable connector. Yeah, but the amount of those little connectors that my son has broken off in his iPad, I don't know that I would trust that thing. Um, I've got an old Marantz PCM recorder. If I dig in this drawer, I might find it. Hang on a minute. Uh, which is quite good. Oh, yeah. And I like it because it's... Uh, where am I? Where is my microphone? I like this because it's very solid and it hangs around my neck and it makes me look like the guy from the Sony advert in the 1970s. And uh, It makes you look like you know what you're doing, whereas if you turn up with a phone does, with a little yeah. tiny thing on it, perhaps you don't. Yeah. I mean, it looks, it, well, it's a professional recorder, but it looks professional. And then I use this microphone, which is a... a Bayer, isn't it? It is. Bayer Dynamic 58, I think. That's a, that's your classic um, reporter stick mic, actually. Very good uh, rejection. Yes, exactly. Hypercardioid. Yeah. And I've got some binaural ones as well, which I, um, I've i been doing away with preamps and trying to uh, get it as clear possible um but the, the binaural mics i've got are okm um they're quite noisy i suppose right um and i can reduce the noise by doing noise reduction afterwards but I, I, i've kind of got this whole i mean maybe it's because i've gone deaf in the top end i now sort of think that dynamic mics are really cool and i know they don't have much above maybe like 14 15 kilohertz but what the, the advantage of a dynamic mic is it's whisper quiet there's no there's no self noise other than the self noise of the electronics that you plug it into that's a good point so yeah. i bought that uh, i bought that juiced link preamp which is really good that's and the, it's yeah. super quiet and then i'm kind of feeding that into line input um i i don't trust anything on the on on the iphone anymore <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, that, that, that's um, fair, that's a fair point. I mean, I, I think I can, uh, you know, concur, but I mean, it's so, I guess, you know, this guy obviously would be using his Decatree to record that stuff anyway and just be able to have comparisons and for to be able to cook because it obviously comes with an app or all those things. But it did rather bring up the question is there's nothing like this for the Android device. I mean, you know, we don't all use iPhones. In fact, I haven't got an iPhone. I've got a 
S5, and I would yeah. like to have a decent mic in there. But the only thing that seems to be available um, is this IK Multimedia thing, which is the iRig cast or the uh, iRig mic. But they're just mono, so you can't do the mono. You can only you can't do stereo stuff. And there doesn't seem to be any real information about driving USB audio devices from an Android. And as soon as you get into that, it's like the USB audio device is probably about as expensive as a portable recorder. So you're kind of you know, you're yeah. getting into that world. I mean, if this takes you into a world where you've got a better quality recording device in your hand for what's $149, it's about 100 UK pounds. Yeah, it is, it? yeah. Um, oh, you'd be hard pushed to buy a half decent recording device for 149 pounds and if you've already got your phone from your mobile phone provider maybe this is a good idea well the, the zoom h4n isn't that much more expensive and that's not bad um and it's a you know it's it, it's not current generation recorders but it's not not a bad thing and i know uh certainly if you're doing lines it's I mean, okay the thing i'll say about all of these small recorders is the microphone preamps are generally not very good so no matter how good your microphone is, if you plug it into something like a Zoom, even the H4 or the H5, the microphone preamps are so noisy. They're yeah. just horrible. Um, so you'd, you'd be better better off spending your money on a good microphone and a good preamp and then and a less expensive recorder, if you ask me. So if this microphone can get around the preamp, if the preamp in it's quiet and you're going directly into the phone and the phone is like just taking it digitally, maybe that's good. Yeah, I I'd guess so. I mean, I suppose, I suppose the preamp and the mic are matched in this case. So in many ways, you know, you're going to get probably the best noise you can get given the fact that it's teeny tiny and probably the power it draws is not going to be, well, it's not going to be super hot because obviously it's going to be draining the battery. I think you can pull power out of that. You must be able to if it's got a condenser mic in it, I suppose. There's a, well, there's a lot of new um, tiny little surface mount technology microphones coming out, which are supposed to be really good and, and can sound like their larger counterparts. So maybe it's not using that much power. But I still reckon it will get snapped off at some point. Yeah, you're that, probably that right. I, I think the one thing worth mentioning, people are always saying, but what if you haven't got an iPhone? I mean, you can always do this with an iPod Touch, that kind of thing, can't you? So... Uh, uh, you know, those, those yes. you can plug those sort of things in as well. But anyway, I suppose I think there's something. I just think there's something about the whole um, iPhone and um, iPad thing that I don't know. For me, oh, sorry, I pressed the wrong button. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> That's where he was supposed to uh, be. Uh, um, uh, there's something about it which. I don't know. Every time I have something to add on to my iPad or iPhone or i whatever, there's something which automatically just makes me almost feel like it's not. It's not. Um, it's not real. It's not the real deal. It's there's something which feels a bit bodged. Does a, that make sense? A bit light. Yeah. Yeah. It does make sense. A bit. I remember yeah. years ago. When I couldn't afford a Fairlight, somebody who had a Fairlight 3 said to me, well, Fairlight 3 is brilliant, but it has its own sonic fingerprint. So everything you put in there ends up sounding the same. So if you do everything in the Fairlight, then your music's going to end up tailored to this sonic fingerprint and it all gets to sound a bit sterile. And I thought, no, that can't possibly be right. But I think um, if people are building synthesizers using the same building blocks in ios so that you're given filters and you're given oscillators and you're given waveforms and all this stuff so i keep downloading these 
iOS synths and I and I look at it on my phone and I think, oh, good, I've got an AKS synth here. And then I think, well, that sounds remarkably like the last thing I downloaded. And I think <laughs> I've become wise to that sonic fingerprint in the iOS. And now they all sound samey. And now it's all beginning to sound a bit boring. When it first came out, it was like, wow, this is amazing. I can do this. But now it's like, oh, God, not another synth that sounds exactly like all the other ones that's pretending to be something that it's not. I want, I want, it has to like sound different for mm. it to, to be, for, for it to now have the same level of excitement as when they first came out. And they don't. And it's a bit the Which... same with, vsts and au's mm. and everything else it's like well i don't know i think they might be getting a, a some imp- ty you look like you surely, had to be- yeah well it's just but, but surely you know ios is just another computer platform it's another it's another coding it's another and platform. to be so and, in yeah, terms of the it is but it, they give you the building block so it's well almost not necessarily like only you- only to certain degrees i mean you can build your own stuff from scratch i mean you don't have to use those and that's what a lot of de- um, developers are doing as well I don't think for me it's the sound. It's the sound. I don't personally. I personally, I don't think that you know there's such a thing as the sound of an iOS device. But I think it's it's more the. I think it's more the interface, and the more that you've got something which is physically so, you know, kind of perfect, and and then you're kind of sticking bits on and adding things to it, and it's hanging off here and adapters here, and and by the time I'm doing all of that, I just think, oh, do you know what? I mean, I've got all the synths for the iOS stuff. I mean, Robbie and I talk about this quite often. We've got all the synths. We've got everything. But when was the last time we actually used one other than being stuck on a train somewhere and we've got to kill 10 minutes? You know, I, I can't remember. And it's, it's, I think there's some good stuff out there, but there's just something, I don't know. I mean, at the same time, I'm saying all that. I have, you know, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a Mac boy, so I'm, you know, I've got multiple iPads and I've got, iPhones and everything is Mac in this house. Everything is Apple, right. but there's still just something which is um, I don't know. The moment you have to put something onto an iPad or an iPhone or an i whatever, it just doesn't quite do it for me. Okay, well that's fair enough. Um, I think perhaps we should move on a bit. I, I'll, I'll do our uh, sponsor slot now because then it uh, then it's out of the way and we can crack on with our other uh, stuff as well. So. So this is, of course, Break Tweaker, designed and developed by Isotope. Break Tweaker is not just a drum machine. It's a drum sculpting and beat sequencing environment that blurs the line between rhythm and melody. You can give your beats really quite evolving depth that gets better the longer they play with these kind of really interesting uh, polyrhythmic timing cycles. Uh, you could use slicing to drive everything from pitch melodic lines to sweeping rhythmic overtures, and you can top it off with a comprehensive drum sample library, which is curated by BT, Isotope, and other top producers. And you can explore a new era of rhythmic possibilities with this forward-thinking and forward-sounding instrument. In fact, today is the very last day uh, on sale through September the 20th. It's 100 bucks off. Usually it's 249 and it's now 149 so today's your last day to get it. But there's also a competition as well. They don't let that stop you. Of course, you can always download the demo, Isotope.com forward slash break tweaker um last week we asked you to uh enter the competition by uh sending out the hashtag rhythm synthesis and break tweaker and we have a winner uh his name is now i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to pronounce this is hulkbo smash his twitter handle is at hulkbo with a k uh, B-O-W underscore smash. Uh, and he said, most interesting about the Sensei Morph was pa- Sensei Morph was painting with brushes next Cintiq feature. So that was uh, in relation to one of the topics we talked about last week about the new touch surface. Uh, but anyway, 
Congratulations, Mr. Hulkbow or Mr. Smash. I'm not quite sure which way around it goes. Uh, if you get in touch, then the Isotope Fairy will be able to uh, pass on your prize uh, in the usual email fashion. So do get in touch and let us know. And of course, this week we've got another competition. Thanks again to the people, the generous people at Isotope. Uh, to enter this week, you need to tweet the hashtag SynthBeats. See what I did there? Beats and Synth, because it's got synthesis as well. And the hashtag BreakTweaker. <coughs> to uh, at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. So uh, for those of you perhaps not listening, uh, watching the video, uh, hashtag SynthBeats and the hashtag BreakTweaker to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, and that will automatically enter you to the competition and we can pick it next week. So thanks very much to our sponsors for uh, sponsoring the show. And um, now we're going to move on with our next um, bit of uh, information. Now this, this actually um, got me thinking about a lot of things. This is uh, a video from... Uh, Native Instruments, it's Maroon 5, who are, you know, pretty much arch-poppers. Um, surprisingly, I thought they were kind of a boy band, but these these do seem like kind of uh, general, sentient, self-producing, songwriting beings that the just happen to fit in. For so long, and they're talking about their use of machine in the workflow, uh, how, obviously, they used to just sit in a rehearsal room, and this has kind of enabled them to free them up. Uh, this is Jamie, who's uh, a songwriter and guitarist. That are part of a decade. But we became a little restless with that process. You know, I'm an instrumentalist. I play guitar. I like to play things, not stare at screens. I ended up gravitating towards the machine just because it's all right there in front of this me. This is a very heavily promo, but this is the interesting bit. If I have an idea for something, I just want to get something down fast so that I can move on with the process of songwriting. Uh, well, it will be in a minute. In Conway Studios, Here we go. You know, in this thousand-dollar-a-day room, but I was in the waiting room with my laptop and machine and a MIDI controller, and started coming up with the the beat on machine that would become the song Fortune Tellers. I'll stop it there. But what was interesting to me about this was a this kind of notion of moving again towards you know even though machines obviously got a screen and there's a screen involved, it's like I'm I'm sick of the IT side of things. I want to just play stuff. That's a, a given. You know, lots of people find that uh, very rewarding and a real break from the usual IT side of you know music creation, which it can get a little bit uh, data intensive. But the other thought of actually being the starting point so you've got you know the main sessions happening but there's also like a, a second room which is very common in a lot of uh album recordings or whatever because quite often you know you're working on a song that's finished and there's somebody else working on the idea of another one and it sort of comes through and there's a kind of workflow a natural progression to that and i think that in the video they go on to say that uh, the engineer he takes the stems out of it and then they build on that as a creative tool uh, i'll come to you first ty because obviously you know you are within your specially designed creative environment do you a do you have a situation whereby sometimes you think right i don't want to do this bit on the computer i'll turn to a synth or a keyboard and play out some of those thematic ideas or whatever and and then bring it back into your world do you get do you can you work yeah, like that often yeah i do and also i mean i've i i've got a traveling system i really i love my traveling system um so when I go on uh, holiday or get away, it, where, wherever I go, it tends to go wherever I go, to be fair. And um, it's a system that I can happily work on. And I, I, I've, got a, I've got a machine Mark One in the traveling system. Ah, in okay. The studio, I've, got a, I've got a machine studio in the, in the studio. Um, so I, I love machine. Um, 
and then I've got a Mark One that goes with me on the travelling system, uh, along with a laptop and the keyboard and you know lots of hard drives and software and things. But uh, I I love going somewhere different and doing it in a different environment. It really does make a difference, even if sometimes, you know, for me, often quite often the limitations are are a, a, a plus point really because in here i mean this is you know it's great in here and i but the world's my oyster i can do it absolutely anything i like in here blank page and syndrome yeah the, yeah and a lot of the time there's uh, there's something nice about you know I've, I've actually controlled my traveling system so i don't have every sample library known to man i just have a limited um core and sometimes it's nice to have that limitation i mean i used to and in terms of the 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 um the the software you know sat in front of a computer i mean i came to to sequence computer sequences really late because i didn't really have any interest in being sat in front of a big screen so i was a big mpc user um so i had a, a 60 i had an asq10 first you remember the asq10 yeah just the sequence yeah. kit. so i had that was my first sequencer and then moved on to an mpc60 and then a 3000 then a uh so you're you're you're, you're kind of sitting in front of hardware is is where that's, you started from natural, yeah uh, and and i can honestly say i think personally the best stuff i ever did was just sat in front of hardware not not having not looking i mean this is a i'm sure you've done this topic so many times before but there's always a temptation when you play things in to stop and to actually look at what you've played and that's absolutely rubbish you just shouldn't do that you should listen it's, a, to it's, it's irrelevant it yeah, what it looks time? like you know the amount of times you, you, I see people they're going oh it's just slightly early and it's, yeah so what you know so um, you couldn't do that on the screen well you could but you wouldn't want to be on yeah, so just either it fit, yeah that's great or it's not yeah <laughs> absolutely just use your ears and 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 that was fantastic and so that's why I came into sequencing on a computer really late I mean ninety seven I think right ninety seven I moved onto a, a computer sequencer and even then. Honestly, that transition from a from sequencing in the box, you know, in um, hardware sequencing, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. Hmm. So, no, all of that idea of is fine for me. I love it. You know, I do the same. So. It's interesting, isn't it? Where it's almost like we're being sort of re-educated back because it, for so long it seemed it was the only way to work. Because obviously you've got this huge computing power in front of you, and the world's your oyster, and having options, you know, seems to it's at the root of our choice. Is at the root of our kind of general the the, the kind of democratic capitalist society so it's got to be a good thing right but sometimes choice is not a good thing i mean we have banged on about that for ages what about you mark do you i mean i know your system is generally compact anyway but do you you must have been you know back back in the days when you were working uh, in the studio with duran and various other people did you have a second tier system that you would be kind of tinkering with and then bringing that through uh yes almost certainly um I mean, we had the luxury of having various different computers. So I had an Atari Stacy in another room, actually, uh, which was like superb, actually, because it. And then I used to sequence things and just kind of add them in. I'd ha I'd listen to what was happening in the main room and have ideas and uh, and bring things to the table and go, "What do you think of this?" And it would either go in or it wouldn't, or get used for something else. So, um, but yeah, so that's. That's not doing it all in the box, I suppose. I mean, I've the one thing I always wanted to do for my own music was have everything in the box so that when I come back to something after several years, it's just there. So I like that aspect of working with um, 
a computer and being able to have all your mix and everything just come back exactly as it was. But from the creative end of it, something I've noticed more recently is that my, I think I'm, I'm getting into how it feels. I was talking to Gina about this the other day, my wife. <laughs> um, uh, I said to her the other day, I, I remember when I used to record uh, Simon Le Bon's vocals in privacy, Warren's house, studio house. Simon would sing something and then he would go, how was that? Was it any good? And I'd go entirely on where it hit me in the gut. And if, if it felt good, I'd go, yeah, that was pretty good. And he'd go, oh, but isn't that little bit there out of tune? And I, and I would be going on the feel of it and how it felt. Um, so when I'm playing, I go on the feel of it and how it, you know, how it felt when I played it. And um, I don't know. I think, I mean, I'm going sort of off on tangents here, but the line six guitar that I've got can make every guitar sound under the sun. Um, but it doesn't come anywhere close to a really good guitar with a really good pickup because it feels different. And right. to make it sound different, they've done something to the feel of it. And I'm not sure what that is. So I guess with machine, if that works for the feel of it, and that creates an environment where you've got the right kind of feel for making music, then maybe that's, maybe that's a good thing. I think that's a fair point. I mean, it's interesting what you say about the feel, uh, but I've su subsequently, you know, that's what I've tried to do. I try and do things based on feel playing analog synthesizers or any other kind of synthesizer live, you know, into a recorder. But what tends to happen as soon as I start to multitrack, I go, Oh, that feels good. But my ability to play it well enough is, is compromised so that I think, yeah, that was great. And I listen back and go, oh, that wasn't great at all. There's something I like about it, but now I've got to try and play it a bit better. Or I've got the option then to go in and start messing around with it to get it to what I think I had in my head, which I think is where you maybe lose the translation a little bit. But that notion of being able to take this forward, and I, th I think it's just it, what what's interesting to me is the notion of sitting in front of a piece of hardware. I mean, we I mean, this this is becoming more and more a topic as. Uh, classic sounds are emulated with different interfaces and hardware and software and that side of it and there's always yes but i could just have a plugin that does this and yes you're absolutely right and so and in many cases plugins sound fantastic but it's not the same relationship but the idea of having this kind of second working system that you can you can capture that feel that you were talking about and then siphon it into the to the recording is bound to influence things in a good way i would hope well thing is it, i mean you know, the fact that we've got so much hardware kind of implies that that must be the way it is. You know, we, it's it's having that relationship that makes all the difference. Because as you say, there are a million and one great sounding plugins out there, but how many do I actually use over hardware? Well, I can um, see we can see from your backdrop that uh, probably not as many as uh, as one would think, but sometimes for convenience well, sake. Yeah, no, for convenience, you know, if I'm doing something that I know I need absolute total recall on and I need to do it really quickly, then I have to say, yeah, I'll use something out of the box. But the reality is nine times out of ten, I will know that it doesn't quite sound as good as, you know, the real thing or not quite as good as I could, I could have it sounding if I could be bothered to switch some of the gear on and, and mess with the hardware. But um, that's a kind of different circumstance because what I do, I wouldn't say was, I mean, I said this last week, it's providing a service. And um, if I'm going to write music, which is 
has real legs and has to be listened to again and again and again and again, then I will always uh, go to the nth um, degree to make it perfect, in which most of the time that involves hardware. Right. Okay. Because even, even with things like Imposca 2, because, I mean, I've got the Imposca controller, the touch thing, um, because that absolutely trans- transforms that instrument. Richard's got one as well, hasn't he? Yes, yes Rich, Hilton, Rich Hilton's yeah, got yeah. one. Um, yeah, because that absolutely transforms Imposca 2. Into, uh, an, into, into an instrument that you have a relationship with, yes. I, I would totally absolutely. agree. It's, it's the relationship thing, which it uh, alters. And that kind of proves the point, because you've got a piece of software, which is fantastic and sounds fantastic, but once you get used to using it with a, a proper controller, you would never just go back to you know, kind of doing it yeah, the mouse. absolutely. Um, but I, I take, I guess the point, I mean, there's, there were several interesting things to point this and, 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 you know, that was all cool. So, uh, anyway, I, obviously machine, um, I'm not sure if there's anything happened as where there's been an OS update. I probably should have read the notes really, but, uh, um, no, there hasn't, there hasn't. Okay. Well, you would know Ty, obviously being, no, okay. So, uh, but, recently. but it's just an interesting that, that there's a lot of focus from manufacturers on workflow as well. If you look at the, the recent novation teasers for the starting something, finishing something, they're sort of implying that there's, you know, it's about the relation, the creative relationship with artists. So I don't know exactly what's coming along there. Um, all right, machine let's... is great though. I mean, yeah, no, I know. I know. Ga- I know. Gaz uses machine it as well. Right. Uh, mm. Let's see. There's another video here. Another uh, sample library from Spitfire Audio. This one's produced by a uh, Martin. Where? Where? There we go. I was going to say then. His name escaped me. And uh, this is um, David Coulter, who's who's one of these people who just seems to be able to find objects. He's a, he's a kind of UK type of... Well, he doesn't make his own instruments necessarily, but he finds things that sound good and play them. He's a, a saw player. This is the new uh, sample library from uh, Spitfire Audio. It's called... Uh, let me see. I've got it here. Who is a performer... DC Noisemaker. Well, I'm not really There's an interesting uh, uh, piece here anyway, but this is kind of like a brain dump of David Coulter's kind of creative sensibilities with these odd sounds and what have you. And I think th- th- this, again, it, it, it's getting on to the aspect of how he approaches playing with instruments and the sort of sounds he can make. We did. There was a similar sort of thing, wasn't there, with the, uh, excuse me, the, the Gamelan uh, um, contact library that came out. I think this is a contact-based library as well um, that allows you to kind of just take... The, the dump of all of these people's kind of creative input in terms of unusual instruments and then utilize them with, you know, great programming and what have you. I know, Mark, do you, um, it reminds me a little bit of one of those kind of, there used to be percussionists floating about who would turn up with all sorts of odd things that you, that would, they would then play. And, uh, and, and at the, at the drop of a hat, Oh, can I, can we have that on the track rather than just, you know, rather than a shaker, it will be something made of seashells from the South Pacific. You know, that, there's that cool. sort of different aspect, isn't there? That, I like all those things, all of those things, anything weird that makes a noise. If you look on YouTube, there's a video of me um, cutting motorcycle spokes with uh, an angle grinder. And uh, if you buy Isotopes Iris, that sample is in the sample library, I think. Um, So, I, I mean, anything that does something complete that makes a sound that you haven't heard before it's got to be good i'm a bit worried about martin Ware though because he's sitting there in a cardigan and he looks like he should be in a hovis ad or something <laughs> <laughs> and i'm thinking i'm thinking my god he looks like my granddad and 
then what's really worrying about that is I'm only a couple of years behind him. So does that mean I look like my granddad? Quite possibly. So, he, he's <laughs> great. Not look in if, the mirror now. If you haven't had the chance, you know where, I interviewed Martin where um, uh, Heaven Seventeen played. Oh, he's very clever. Played uh, in Bristol, and we did a we did an interview, and he was really generous with his time. And then you know he, he comes across as he comes, and then. During the gig, he was singing these ridiculously high backing vocals all the time. But the one thing I remember particularly, there was a keyboard player called Bernice who was involved. And um, I was talking to him and he was keen for her to have a say in it. And I just remember him saying, come into the light, Bernice. And it just sounded like such an old thing to say. You know, it was particularly... <laughs> no- and, and it's always stuck with me and I have no reason I have no reason to know why. Uh, Ty, Ty, are you always on the lookout for you know because obviously famously some film composers music to picture composers are are kind of at the whims of what is currently available in contact and what have you do you fall into that sort of thing or are you do you approach things differently no i fall very much into that camp i mean people that know me know that i mean i buy i probably buy at least one sample library every day of some sort, which is absolutely ridiculous, but it's Crikey. kind of a fact. And it's really, stu- yeah, it's really stupid, but it's, and it may literally be a, a small, uh, I, I like lots of small independent sample producers because they, a bit like this library, they kind of, um, they've kind of got nothing to lose. So they kind of go out on a limb, really. They almost sit there and go, what isn't saturating the world at the moment in terms of sample library? And we'll do that. Right, and so Excellent. so they'll just take some small little instrument that no one's ever heard of, and they'll go, well, you know, I'll do a smallish library for this, and I'll try charge five pounds for it or something. Right, and um, they're fantastic. There's a there's a, a site called Sampleism, and Sampleism is amazing because you just sit there, and I've sent so many friends and uh, colleagues down this route, and you'll suddenly oh, find what a great a world. Snacks for your samplers, waveforms for your woofers. What an awesome Absolutely. tagline. Yeah. So they're all these little tiny Wow, okay. Yeah, you have you, you have to sort through them. I'm not saying there's some rubbish in there, but there's some that are, are less appealing than others. But there are some amazing sounds. Some amazing libraries in there, and they they cost next to nothing. And they're they're fantastic. But that's I mean, I'm I'm friends with the Spitfire guys that have done this library. And um and that's kind of what I like about Spitfire because Spitfire of they kind of have two sides to them, which is the the big orchestral libraries that we all kind of know them for, and then they have a kind of um, a smaller, weirder, you know, they do the artisan sections and and producer sections, and and um, they just do the things that people other people don't do, which is you know that's my world. Yeah, you my, can, you can only have so many. How big can a big drum get to? to access every cut i mean that's the thing that i always find funny now yeah. there's this it's an easy trap to fall into it's like i can't think of anything so what i'll do is just go on every, every cut to dramatize it and it just it, it's not appropriate in many cases but uh it's the it's, it's the curse of the taiko the, drum isn't it <laughs> a, lo- a lot of the time that's honestly that's out of our hands a lot of the time we, you know doing what doing what we do in tv you kind of have to do what director producer what they want and so many times you sit there going, do you know what? This is this is just the easy way out to open up Storm Drum 3 and double it up with hands and a percussion and do a big, you know. But you kind of have, so many times you have to sit there going, they're paying the bill. And you um, you do that big drum, even though you really don't want to. There are a million and one other ways you could have the same effect, but 
people want mini Hans Zimmer's. Well, maybe That's with the spit, the, the spit, the Spitfire thing is quite interesting, is because he's got the, the, those tiny little are they Japanese or Chinese fans, which are, are, yes. have silk stretched and he hits those with a, the top of a, a a pencil with an eraser on the top, and that becomes a massive drum. I don't know. Yeah. So that subverting I've got a that question way. About this, actually. I yeah. mean, Martin Ware is. Um, really big on 3d audio as well um i have a friend or a mutual friend actually who who said that we should meet up at some point and had said that martin has this room with all these speakers in it and he can make the sound fly around this uh sound stage but he, but he um I, okay so the question that I'm trying to get round to in my rambling kind of tinly way is uh, has he put any uh, binaural or uh, 3D recordings in that library? I don't think so because I, I think it's using standard it's using the standard Spitfire mic settings so I don't think so is the answer. I could be wrong uh, but I don't think so. Right. Okay. Well, Spitfire do a lot of unusual things. One thing, like, what's the other one? It's like a swarm of bees, or you know, I remember they they've got some really interesting uh, sound libraries. Swarm. swarm, swarm. That's right. Mandolins. Swarm. Oh, it's mandolins. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's fantastic. I've used that. A swarm of mandolins or bees. Mandolins. No, mandolins. It's just a load of mandolins, tremolo mandolins. And, I've got um, I've got microphones in my beehive at the moment. Uh, <laughs> Right, but they're not doing anything particularly interesting, unfortunately. Getting fairly sticky, I'd imagine. Yeah, I've just got the title. Yeah, I mean, they smell a bit weird. Here it comes. Are they stick mics? Ha ha, thank you very much. Ah, no. There's one hell of a sting. (laughs) Hey. Right, well, anyway, if you want to check that out, that's the latest Spitfire release. Uh, We've got time for something else here. Oh, yeah, video four. Let's try this guy. So this is. this is Rob Parpin's uh, RPEQ, which is a sort of dynamic, again, mid-side EQ, which is a really interesting thing. I, I know mid-side has been used quite a lot in terms of uh, compression, and it can do some brilliant things to, to the, the focus of a mix and the way that it, you'll perceive it. Let me introduce you to RPEQ. As you might notice by looking at this video about RPEQ, is that it has an uncommon feature compared to other EQs. So you can modulate the frequencies. It has the XY pad, which you also can find inside our synthesizers, Blade, Bluetooth and RAW. The- I won't play the whole thing, but as we know, you know, EQs are this is a never-ending... I mean, because EQs essentially are quite a sort of dull bread and butter type of thing. And obviously, you know, it's nice to find one that you can really recognise. I think it's a bit like finding a pair of monitors where you just know, you know, it's going to do what you need to do. Um, I don't know, um, Ty, are you... Uh, I know you use Nuendo, um, mm-hmm. but this notion of kind of dynamic EQs and modulating EQs and uh, the mid-side thing, are you finding you use that kind of stuff or is that not quite so required in your particular... No, the, personally, the mid-side stuff, not so much i've got lots of from plugin alliance i've got all the bx stuff and i I use i'm a big uad user and i think they've got quite a few mid-side stuff um but i don't really use it to be fair if i'm completely honest with you i'm not sure i completely understand the entire principle of the whole mid-side things because i think it sounds great and then i come (laughs) to try and use it thinking hang on a second i think the way it uses mid-side on here is quite obvious the way it works essentially um it's a kind of very simplified version of it, and I think it's it sounds I think it sounds really creative. I think it's it's great. I think it looks you know it looks a really nice piece of software. I mean, I like the um, I like his stuff anyway. Um, 
and well because because you know, rob parpin has a room almost as full of synthesizers as you do i think you probably oh, if you had than, a, is it you, got. he's got your beat has he <laughs> yeah absolutely and so he should have uh no but he's um i really yeah i, I kind of use his software quite a lot and uh even the smaller stuff like his delays and uh is is you know, still I use quite a lot. And it's difficult to get excited about EQ, but I think if you're going to get excited about EQ, you go one of two ways, which is either the the way that UAD views EQ, in other words, try and do a, a direct replica of um a classic, yeah. you know, a vintage piece of EQ and try and do that route, or you go the completely creative side of things, which this has done. And I think it I think there's a lot you could do with this with the whole you know, with the mid-side thing, you know, kind of, and also, I mean, I watched it through. If you watch the way it's done, it's so easy to do. You know, it's, um, it's, it looks incredibly simple. So, and I've actually, because I've got their, whatever it is, is Explorer 3 or whatever their yeah. package is. Um, so I think I can just download it. I don't think I, I don't think you need to pay for it if you've got the Explorer package. I think that's so. right. It's part of that. Um, or you can buy it for, uh, it says here, 79 euros, 89 dollars, uh, so you can get that. And then, Mark, I, I don't know whether you have a kind of favourite EQ. I'm sure we might have covered this before. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I'm no, a bit we're tired. Probably, yeah. I mean, my favourite EQ is any of the Match EQ plugins, and I've got three different ones, I think. Oh, you go for the Match so, side of things, right, that's right. So I, I love the idea of, like, oh, I quite like the sound of that. I'll just nick that sonic fingerprint and put it on something else, and that tends to work quite well if you're in a hurry. Um so I did a voiceover for something and I I went on iTunes and I listened to a whole load of podcasts till I found one with somebody with a similar speaking voice to mine who'd got a great mic sound and I just fingerprinted it and suddenly I sounded exactly like this podcast. It took about 10 minutes to do that rather than sitting there <laughs> tweaking and going, oh, I need to do this and I need to do that and I need to do the other. It's like find a sound you like and then it's like sampling, I suppose. Um, but then again, having said that, when I get creative, um, I like playing around with um, powerful EQs with really sharp and really kind of a violent cue uh, right. factors and stuff. I always, um, there was one of the SSL mixing desks, which I always said was, um, being a guitarist for me, it was just like having loads of wah-wahs. It's like, oh yeah, this is good, you know, filter suite. Yeah, I and I think, I think there's a couple of uh, good um, good um, ones in the chat room. Uh, Valhalla, uh, Fab Filter, another Dutch clubbing, uh, PSP Master is pretty good as well. Um, so there's a lot of uh, tips. I remember actually, Mark, you were... Um, uh, Oh God, I forgot what I was going. To... So uh, the matching EQ, I'm curious actually. When you kind of get that sound and you match yeah. it, are the settings in the ma- are they more or less extreme than you would anticipate when you look at the curves? Um, there's more factors, I think. Right. So, um, so the curve instead of just being like a bell curve on a simple EQ, it's like there's lots of that going on, and they all overlap. Um, so it's like a spline EQ, I suppose. So it would be like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the kind of EQ curve you get when you test a microphone and you do it really accurately and you get lots of little spikes at all the different places. Or if you re-EQ your room, you'll come back with like all the standing waves in the room will throw up like a peak or a trough, right. depending on where the, uh, where the reflections are. It kind of looks like that. It's like a wiggly line. So you you need lots and lots of eq um different eqs to create that kind of um 
effect with lots of peaks and troughs. So I think, I mean, one of the one of the ones I've got is the thing called Voxengo EQ, um, which is quite good. It's a, and it has like a spline thing for matching EQ, so you can load a track into it, and then you can load the track you're working on into um, into another slot, is and it, then you can. Did you say it was curvy? Curvy, curvy EQ. EQ, yeah. There it so is. You can load. You can literally load two different sources of audio into it, get it to like do a sonic fingerprint of one, and then apply it to the other, and then spit it back out again, or use it as an EQ. Ah, that looks interesting. I think I've just used the Vox and Go Span, which is just a sort of uh, uh, FFT type thing, just to show the harmonics in the waveform that I was doing with the Modot NF1 um, review coming soon. By the way. Um, I mean, it's like it would be like having sixty EQs in a line, I suppose, or like well, having like a, a graphic, graphic a, a variable a graphic, graphic EQ with sixty bands, yeah, very tight bands. And they then used you, to, you know, there used to be stuff. one on the. There used to be. Uh, it was called a simulator on the PowerCore system. Ah, yeah, the same PowerCore that did the same thing, but, and I used to use it quite a lot mastering because um, used to basically get the essential the EQ sound of one track. And, Apply it to the other, right? Apply it to the yeah. other. It used to work well, actually. But you can do it. You can do it with, you know, just like if there's, I don't know, say you've got a, a Led Zeppelin track and the guitar's on its own at the beginning of the track or in the middle even, and you want to get that exact guitar sound, you just set up a pretty crunchy distortion somewhere similar to what you think the record's doing, and then you just take the EQ from the Led Zeppelin record, put it on your guitar, and it sounds exactly like it. You can do it. <laughs> You can do it with pretty much anything. I mean, you can make you can make one synth sound like another synth, or you can make uh, any microphone that you're recording with sound like another one. You just need to basically create what's a sample of one thing and a sample of the other thing, and then get it to apply one EQ curve to the other, or the other way around. Ah, yeah, so, it's not. It doesn't quite. Work. Yes, I mean, I've because well, I've got. Um, it sort of works. But it's the same as Mark saying about the EQ on um, uh, standing waves and things when you do analysis of rooms. Because yeah. I did, because um, I had, like everyone else had, you know, the, uh, what was it, the IKE multimedia one? Was what's it Arc? Arc 2. Yeah. I've got one so of I those. So I tried Arc 2. And Arc 2, yay, that's the one. And uh, Arc 2 worked, worked really well. And then... Um, and then I bought uh, the. Have you bought? I heard of Trinoff, the Trinoff system. No, no. Do you know this? This is, uh, it's you know, it's it's um. What's the best way of describing it? It's essentially it corrects a room corrector, and I thought initially that this was going to be the same as Arc Two, but it takes it into a whole new world. And oh, it um, oh really? It's amazing. It's absolutely. Amazing. I mean, I was going to talk to Nick about you know kind of this as a subject for another time, but um, well, you can incredible. you can save it. That's all right. That's no problem because well, yeah, that might be interesting be. because I've I'm using Arc, Gaz is using yeah. Ergo, the KRK thing. Yeah. If you're using yeah. that, then may, maybe that that Trinoff, would be absolutely. a good, good discussion. Absolutely. Well, well, let's. But I mean, the Trinoff system is it's literally it's a separate PC essentially. Right, so it's that, doing a lot of real-time crunching. Then. A lot of, yeah, yeah, it's amazing though. The, it can, you know, the, the room here was was great. It was good, and Arc was did a, you know, it had a few problems, but you plug this system in, and the kind of switching it in, switching it out, it's just like 
night and day. It's wow. amazing. Phase response. Oh, really? oh right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will. I mean, definitely... going, I'm going to go back to Rob Pappen's EQ. Yes, which you could. Just, it's, a, yes. it's an eight-band EQ, actually. Well, I mean, a long time ago, before digital synths and uh, sorry, digital mixers became prevalent, and we had super quiet digital mixers or super quiet digital EQs in our uh, computers. I tried lots of different mixers and came to the conclusion that my quietest way of mixing was to use uh, at home was to use a Roland line mixer, which had no EQ on it at all, <laughs> and that I basically plugged in all of my synths and I had to get my synth sounds absolutely right and create whatever EQ curves I needed to create with the filters. So if there's, I might have this slightly wrong, but I'm getting a sense that this is a synthesizer EQ as a plugin. So what does that mean that I can basically use synthesizer functionality on my recorded tracks in my digital I suppose audio it, I, I guess it depends on the uh, characteristics of the filters whether that what the cues are like and whether you've got those kind of things so yes I mean EQ filters are essentially low pass high pass filters band pass you know they're all of those things really it's just that they're, they're in synthesizers they're more extreme I believe if I if I understand that correctly I'm not sure so I like they extreme are. EQs I yeah. just so if it's an extreme EQ, I ought to try it out. Yeah, well, that sounds like you should, definitely. Yeah. I think it is. I think it is a it's a cross between a a synth filter and a EQ. Yeah. It looks great. It looks really creative, which is never a bad thing. Okay, well, that's also uh, oh, also sorry. also if it's dynamic EQ, one of the things I I have problems with is if I use a really extreme EQ and then I dump it in the middle of a track, it just swamps everything sometimes. And if it can be made to uh, dynamically respond to the track and not just take over with whatever weird sound i've made um that would be of interest to me as well yeah that sounds like a plan right i think i'm going to chop it there because i've got a lot of things to to sort out this evening so i, I know there are a couple of topics remaining so i do apologize if you were gagging to talk about them perhaps they can uh, live for another day um but i want to say uh thank you very I much i didn't want to talk about it no okay that's fine well we'll stop it there <laughs> and leave everybody guessing um so yeah thank you very much everybody for watching uh thank you very much to the chat room it's great to have uh, a good crowd in there as ever gosh it's going up again we must be I wonder if that means our listener numbers are going up. I do hope so. Don't forget, subscribe if you're first in the chat room. Have I plugged the YouTube channel enough? I think I probably have. Uh, but before we go, I'll just say quickly again, thank you very much to Isotope for sponsoring the show. Uh, remember, if you want to win Isotope Break Tweaker, uh, tweet the hashtag synthbeats one word and the hashtag break tweaker one word to at sonic state and at isotope inc and uh, do feel free to check out the plugin isotope.com forward slash break tweaker and it's on sale until the end of today for 100 bucks off so do check that out so anyway that's all of that housekeeping done so we'll say goodbye to ty unwin who's probably mind is wandering to that impending deadline and uh yeah, is, uh, so thank you very much for joining us much appreciated and uh all no we- as ever um Fun. thank you thank you so thanks for joining us and also to mr mark tinley matt the newlywed guy um i hope uh, that you have a great week too and um keep doing the washing up and all of those things that you now probably have had written into your marriage contract i'm going to go and uh, make some sausages now yeah okay i will actually uh, we could leave that as you... some kind of slightly uh, slightly rude pause there but <laughs> <laughs> okay, <fair enough. laughs> Sorry, carry on. I, I just wanted to, to let that drop for a minute. 
<laughs> um, you I, wanted to I add something there, Mark. Did you did you have something else to say? Sorry. I was going to say, if you follow me on Twitter, you might find some of the wedding pictures on there, and they're all very nice. Oh, brilliant. Well, anyway, thank you very much, and thanks to, to all our guests, and thank you to the chat room and all of those things. That's it for this week. Thank you very much for watching. I will now fade to black. I think that's the button I press. Yes, there it goes. Bye-bye. <laughs>